the wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. Hey, bestie, it's Cami Crawford. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in every Friday for new episodes. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Hi, happy Friday. Today's episode is really special because today we have Dr. Allison Ash on the podcast. She's an intimacy coach and educator and the founder of Turn On Love. She also teaches sexual and emotional intimacy skills at Stanford. So, you know, she knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And she's a fucking expert. So today we're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking about intimacy. We're going to be talking about the art of seduction. We're going to be talking about flirting. Like we're going to be talking about how do we get to the sex, you know, because it's one thing to talk about sex. How do we get to the sex? And if we already got to the sex and now things are getting a little stale, how do we turn it up again? Right? Because we can always know more about this subject. So today we're talking to Dr. Allie about all of the things that you guys want to know. And I'm so, so excited because it's just something different for us, right? I'm very, very happy about this. And I know that we're going to have Dr. Allie back on. So if there's anything that we don't cover in this episode, write us, tell us what you want to hear about, and we will definitely make sure we get to it the next time. Anyways, have fun, bestie, and try some of these new things out on your sneaky link this weekend, because I know you got an appointment. Don't fucking lie to me. All right. Bye. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl, Cami Crawford. And today... We have Dr. Allison Ash. She's an intimacy coach and educator and a lecturer at Stanford and the founder of Turn On Love. Welcome, Dr. Allie, to Relationship. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm so glad that you're here because we talk about sex a lot on the podcast, but we don't talk a lot about like flirting and like the art of seduction and these kinds of topics, which I feel like are kind of 
the first step. Like, I feel like you have to get to that first in order to have good sex. And it's funny how mm-hmm. we don't talk about intimacy and flirtation and seduction. And it's just like we're all expected to just know how to fuck. And that's just not true. As we that's know, right. if you've had <laughs> sex with some men in your life, <laughs> I think that you know, it's just not true. It's not it's not like second nature. So I want to know from you, why did you get into this? What made you get into it? How did it start? Well, my work as an intimacy coach really started from the fact that I didn't have intimacy modeled for me when I was growing up in healthy ways. And I think that whenever we really geek out on something and we have to learn something that everybody else takes for granted, it's like the water they swim in. Mm. You get really good at explaining it and breaking it down and being able to talk about it at different levels of different ways. And I think that intimacy really is why we are here. I mean, it is the most nourishing, the most regulating, the most fulfilling thing that we can have. And so for me to be able to support people and having more intimacy just feels like such a well-lived life. Yeah. But even as an educator, wouldn't you also say it's one of the most neglected things that people have in their life like Uh, or don't have? I often say that intimacy is a skill and like any skill, we can learn it with proper instruction and practice. But unlike most skills, it is so hard to get that proper instruction and practice because we don't have safe places to learn it. And intimacy is a relational skill, so we have to practice it in connection with other people, which is also oftentimes hard for people to figure out how to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's speaking as a woman, I know a lot of women experience not knowing that sex is supposed to be pleasurable. Like, I have a lot of friends who are like, no, I've never had an orgasm, or like, no, I've never, like, I've never felt that before. And I'm like, what? well, why are we fucking? <laughs> why are we even bothering if we're not feeling how we're supposed to feel during these interactions. And I guess how often do you have people come to you as a coach that are like, I feel nothing during sex and I want to feel something? Yeah, I think that that comes in two different categories. There's the folks for whom they don't have the level of pleasure that they want to feel. They want to increase their capacity for pleasure, whether that's orgasms or other facets of pleasure. And then there are the folks for whom they're wanting more of an emotional connection or they're wanting to feel a sense of intimacy and closeness and the bond that can come from that. And mm-hmm. so sometimes folks are having sex, even if they're not having a lot of pleasure, because it makes them feel closer with their partner. Mm-hmm. But then also, of course, what I see a lot is people who are having sex because they feel obligated or there's a sense of pressure or they feel like they should or they don't want their partner to cheat on them. So they're going to even though they don't want to. And I think that one of the biggest problems for folks around sex and intimacy is when they override their no and they're enduring having sex when they don't want to be having sex because then it's so natural to start to build up a resentment either towards sex or towards your partner or both. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I feel like a lot of people end up giving in to sex or being like, oh, fuck, like, fine, I'll just do it because they care more about their partner's pleasure than they care about their own. And I think that's I think that's like a common thread throughout a lot of our lives where we pour into other people more than we pour into ourselves sometimes or we can give more compliments out to other people than we can compliment ourselves. But when it comes to sex, like I'm a person, I cannot get down unless I am emotionally connected to you. Like unless I 
really, really like you. They're like you, you have to, I'm a Scorpio. So like, but I'm also a very sexual person. Like I love that with the person that I like, but if I don't like you, my mind will not even allow me to go to those places. And so I feel like a lot of people, you know, experience these like blocks, whether it's, it's that or whether it's how they feel about themselves physically or whether it's feeling like they're not good at it, like feeling like they're not good at sex is, I feel like a common thing. Would you say? I would say, or not knowing what you want or how to co-create the experience, feeling like you need to be passive and accept whatever is happening to you, Mm -hmm. even if it's not actually what you're wanting and not knowing how to redirect something that doesn't feel quite right or ask for what you want, or sometimes even what the options are that you can ask for. I teach a workshop called How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ. Period. And in this workshop, I would talk so much about um, how pleasure is co-created and how do you be a champ quality receiver? And oftentimes for people who are receiving, it's like this black box of something that's happening down there. They don't really know what's happening. It's Mm. like, oh, that thing my ex used to do or didn't do. Mm -hmm. And so simply understanding these are the options. These are different hand movements or tongue movements. This is what could feel good is deeply empowering. And that's just one example with regards to oral sex. I mean, if we think about all sorts of intimacy, creating space where it's safe for folks to explore and to bring in their own voice, realizing that you are actually the ultimate authority on your body. And I want to know what you know Mm -hmm. about what you like. And then I also want to discover together what we can come up with in our own unique interactions. Yes. No, that's interesting that you say that because I've I've been in relationships where I didn't feel like I could express myself sexually. And one of the things that I said that I needed in my next relationship, whoever I end up with, like I need to be able to say all that wild shit. I want to be able to do and say and feel and like there there can't be any insecurity on my part as far as like what's too much or what you know because obviously like you want to do things that are consensual with your partner but you should also be able to feel that freedom to just like enjoy each other and not feel judged I feel like a lot of people feel judged in these sexual interactions that they're having with people or in you know even just flirting or trying to be seductive like you know everybody's different but I've also been in situations where I've been like shut down and it's a huge like blow to your ego and your libido to be like Mm -hmm. shut down like that. You know, it's an unfortunate thing that I think so many of us have gone through and are going through and it affects the way that we're able to express ourselves moving forward when it comes to relationships. That's so true. And I think the reality is when you look at it from the other side, all people, and if we're talking about heterodynamics, I think mm-hmm. men are so eager to know what their partner wants, but they're never going to ask for it. It's like the equivalent mm. of not stopping to ask for directions. Right? They won't ask for it. Yes. And so then it doesn't necessarily create the space where it's easy to name it for yourself. And I think that some of the best lovers I've had in my life aren't just the ones that are technically skilled. They're the ones that are curious mm. and inquire and creating space for me to say, yes, this, not that, a little higher, a little softer, whatever else it is, because they realize that I am unlike anybody else they've ever been like before, as every person is unique and different, and that they want to get to know me with me. And there's something so, as you said, safe about that. It's not just that it makes it better, which it does, 
but it also creates that sense of intimacy and trust and safety and closeness that we can experiment. I'm much more likely to explore my maybes with somebody like that. And I think some of the best sex comes from getting to explore those edges. Mm -hmm. I have to ask this. Are all potential partners of yours so intimidated by the fact that you do this work? Because I feel like I would be like, oh my God, I need to take a 20 step course before I even try. (laughs) When I was single, it was really challenging dating, to be honest with you. I felt either I intimidated folks or (laughs) folks would put me on a pedestal, which wasn't Mm. really enjoyable either because I'm a messy human just like everybody else out there. Mm. And just because I know intellectually how to create intimacy doesn't necessarily mean that when I'm in the heat of the moment, I always have access to that same skill set because I am human. And so getting to be with somebody who isn't intimidated and also doesn't put me on a pedestal and also values and respects the knowledge that I have has been deeply challenging and also deeply rewarding. to Yeah. Find. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I bet. Oh, that's so fun. And also what's your Zodiac sign? Very important. I'm in the Aries. <gasps> I cancer. knew it was fire. <laughs> I have like a lot of cancer and Sag in my, in my chart as well. I was going to guess Sag. I'm mad I didn't just ask you if you were a Sag, but then I would have been wrong and then I would have been even more upset. But I knew there was fire in there. I knew it. Oh, love that. Yes, very fiery human. Okay, so we on this podcast ask people to bear their souls and be vulnerable enough to ask us the questions that they really want to know. So first and foremost, we asked people what makes them feel sexy. And it was interesting because as I was looking through some of these, It was very rare that I saw, I think only one person said my man, like only one person said their partner, which I, I found beauty in that because sometimes you can't rely on your partner to make you feel sexy. Sometimes your partner farts or like does something that's very, you know, not sexy in my opinion. And you're like, no, not you. But like, if you can find the sexy within yourself, I think that makes flirting and the art of seduction a little bit easier. So we had some people that said taking a good shower when my hair is done, perfume, lingerie, being spoiled, the right clothes, being funny, saying something really smart. That person must be a Virgo. (laughs) He said a lot of people said when their hair is done and their eyebrows are done. I completely agree. When my hair and my lashes and my nails are done, you can't tell me anything. You can't tell me anything. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, when my skin is naturally glowing and smooth. Oh, somebody said, me. I need those men blown away just by my presence. Period. I love that. Somebody said, liquor. Yeah, celebrate that. Liquor makes them feel sexy. Yes. (laughs) Amen. A fresh wax. Confidence. (laughs) My sister said a bag of hot Cheetos. I'm done with her. Goodbye, Milan. (laughs) She's a mess. Somebody said lotion and candles. Somebody said heels. Is there anything in your experience that you found helps to like boost somebody's feeling of like feeling sexy enough to go out there and like get anyone that they want? Yeah, I think that there's an embodied approach that I really like to teach my clients. And I think this both works when you're at home getting ready to go out, but also when you are talking to somebody that you think is cute and you want to feel confident and sexy. And so what I encourage folks to do is to do what I call genital breathing, which is essentially 
taking deep breaths and on the inhale and the exhale, you are alternatingly squeezing and releasing your pelvic floor muscles. So I'm doing it right now. I was literally going to, I was literally about to do it. And then I was like, she's going to tell, she's going to know. Do it. Do it with me. (laughs) What I like Why do I have to close my eyes? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that you went there. I did, of course. (laughs) What I think is so helpful about this is that it helps you remember, oh, I have a body. Sometimes Mm. when people are flirting, they get really stuck in their head. They get nervous. They get stressed out. And it connects them with their desire. And if you're doing these pelvic floor exercises, you'll start to get this sense of tingling and maybe a little bit of warmth coming there. It'll feel good. And I think that for folks who are a little bit shy and maybe suppress their desire, it's helpful because it allows them to really connect with it at the root. And for folks for whom they maybe get a little overwhelmed with their desire and they spill a little bit, Mm. it helps them connect with their body and to really feel more rooted in themselves. And so I think either way you go, it's a really helpful resource to have. And most people don't think about something that they can just tap on, tap into, turn on in any moment, whether your hair is looking good, whether you made it to the nail salon, you always have this as a resource. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like you're right. Getting in your head is, I mean, it happens all the time. Like if I'm out and I've been out all night and then I want to go back to, you know, my boo or whatever and hook up and I don't feel like the freshest that I felt as soon as I left the house or I don't, you know, those things get in your head and you're like, oh, this, I should take a shower. I should brush my teeth. I should da da da. And like, I think that those things can help when it comes to making you feel comfortable. Like at the end of the day, it, it is about your comfort. And so you should do the things that you need to do to feel the most pleasure and the most comfortable in those moments. But at the same time, there's just something very like natural and I want to say human, but almost like animalistic about just like, fuck it. Like, who cares? Like, let's just fucking go. Like, let's just do and be with someone who allow who allows that and like where it's safe. And it's like, you know, am I onto something? <laughs> A hundred percent. I think the full range of sex is what's yummy and nourishing and exciting. And sometimes I want to be in the shower with my boo and shower each other and feel really clean and like be able to do all the kinky, dirty things I only really want to do when I'm that clean. Mm -hmm. But also I love to be able to just have this experience of ripping my clothes off, no matter if we've been hiking or whatever else and having my partner be like, I love the way that you smell. You're Mm -hmm. so sexy bring it over here, you know, and it's so affirming. And I think the reality is, is that this doesn't happen in a vacuum. We don't develop this sense of confidence if we aren't with people who affirm us in all of our states, including our natural states. And I think that the reality is, is that what we receive from all of the messages in society and not just women, men too, is that women should, big air quotes, should always be looking put together, clean, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge amount of pressure. And yeah. when you're partnered with somebody that doesn't buy into that 
BS. It is deeply liberating. And then you know it's out there and you won't settle for it again in yeah. future partners. Yeah. And it really does take somebody to teach you that they love you and are into you just as you are to realize that what you've been force fed your whole life isn't true. Yeah. I think everyone deserves that. Me too. I think that's the goal. I think that's the goal. Okay. I need to know your opinions on, or how do you feel about how porn has affected kind of the way that people view intimacy and sex? And like, do you see where clients are coming to you and and feeling like they have to be like these porn stars that they're watching in these videos more than just like knowing what they actually want and like for themselves? I do. And oftentimes what I recommend is more feminist porn or queer porn or body positive porn. And and also I'm a really big fan of consuming erotica that's not visual, Mm. like podcasts, short stories, um, things of that nature, because it allows your imaginations to also play a role and to start to fill in details. And it allows your ability to fantasize to develop, which I think is really helpful for folks. But yeah, I don't think porn is realistic. And I think that for men who watch porn, often a lot of porn, especially starting at an early age, it can create a way in which they relate to sense, not just sex not just as though somebody has to look a certain way but more so around the intensity of it that Mm. it has to get really really intense and they get a little desensitized to um maybe slower sweeter softer and more intimate sex and then i think for women yeah they can feel a lot of this sense of pressure to look like that particularly around the ways that their vulvas look i think that that Mm. is just so limiting because there's such a huge diversity in the way that vulvas look and i think straight women don't know that because they're not seeing a wide diversity. Yeah. And so that can be deeply shaming. So, and also just doesn't depict realistic pleasure in the way that maybe feminist porn does. And I think that's what's so important is allowing us to not just take something out of a context that is empowering and pleasurable for the people that are watching, watching it as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm not an avid porn watcher. I don't really need it to be able to do what I need to do. Sometimes just thinking about myself and whoever I'm with is enough. But I would rather watch lesbian porn than straight hetero porn any day because I can't relate. I don't understand. I don't understand some of these dynamics and the plot lines and the stories. And it's just like, I can't I can't buy in, but I do know that there are a lot of people that feel the pressure to perform like how they see it in the movies or on in porn. And like even when it comes to flirting, it's like we watch these rom-coms and we think that, you know, somebody's supposed to come up to us at a bar and be like, you come here often. And it's like, that's so cringe. I don't think if anybody were to come up to me like that, I would ever speak to them. So even when it comes to like flirting, what are your best tips? When it comes to flirting, I think it's important to think about it from both a verbal and a nonverbal perspective. And I think flirting is very different if you're 
kind of cold calling somebody, as you're saying, like you don't know them and you're just approaching them out of the blue versus you're flirting with somebody that you know versus you're flirting with your partner. Because mm-hmm. I think most people, when they think about flirting and seduction, they think about it only when you're trying to get laid for the first two few times. And they don't think about this as an ongoing thing to tend to in order to make sure that intimacy stays vibrant in relationships. And so I think flirting can look very different depending on the context. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you do still have to flirt. You still have to date your partner. That's right. Even if you're married. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You do still have to do those things. But we all get comfortable. So like, I guess, what about in the context of, because I think a lot of our listeners are in relationships or want to be in relationships. What is your best advice for like spicing up the intimacy in a relationship? I think one of the most important things to realize is that desire. Well, okay. So it's almost like this opposite bell curve where you have to do a lot of flirting before you've got that new relationship energy going. And after that new relationship energy has subsided, when you have that like new relationship energy, which is that feeling of intoxication that can come when you're falling in love with somebody you don't need a whole lot of anything you're just like 18 again ready to go all the time sex four times a day whatever it is it's like amazing (laughs) yes but that's that doesn't last forever that's so sad the honeymoon phase is the best part (laughs) it is so fun and it also serves a purpose it serves a purpose of helping us create a foundation of love and intimacy and it's not meant to last forever And when it goes away, we do need longer and more in-depth escalation patterns. Again, just like we do in the beginning of a relationship when we're trying to get a sense of safety. And so I think that what's really valuable is to realize that desire comes online for a lot of people, particularly women, as an experience is unfolding. So if my partner is going to ask me if I want to have sex, most of the time my answer is going to be no, because the leap from here to there feels really big. Mm. But if he's going to ask me if I want to get naked and cuddle in bed, or if I want to make out a little, or if I want to take a shower together, I'm much more likely to say yes, because those feel like really accessible, yummy, sweet next steps. And sometimes that's all that happens. But oftentimes, as we're being intimate without pressure, without an agenda or a goal, it creates a space for me to get into my body and to stop thinking about work or my conflict with a friend or whatever else it may be that is consuming me. And it allows me to get into my body and connect with my partner and notice that I have some desire that's running through me and start to want to feed it a little bit. And so I think that that's the most important thing for long term. Uh, partners to realize is that they need to create the opportunities for intimacy without trying to plan for sex because planning for sex will just create pressure Mm -hmm. and that any intimacy experienced is intimacy it's like credit in your intimacy bank it's feeding the intimacy that you have in your partnership and so even if it doesn't end in sex it's going to make future encounters that much yummier easier Uh, more spicy and more likely to lead into sex. So overall, it increases the sexual intimacy when we create these opportunities for intimacy that doesn't have to mean sex. Yeah. And then eventually you might have sex. Everybody wins. More often than not. (laughs) Everybody wins. Yeah, more often than not. Okay, so we had people write in about, you know, what their questions are as far as 
sex and flirting related questions. Somebody, well, we had a few that said, girl, everything. (laughs) People want to know it all. People want to be, I think everybody wants to be a master at this particular thing. Like you don't have a bunch of things in life where you're like, I want to be the master of all these things. I think when it comes to like flirting and sex, unless you're asexual and you're just not, not into it. I think this is something that a lot of people would like to be knowledgeable about, be experts in, feel confident about. So let's see. Someone said, how can you flirt when you don't express yourself verbally? So I guess for someone who's more flirtatious physically or like, you know, touching vibe, how can you flirt if you do not, if you're not a verbal, verbally expressive person? Touch is your best friend. And when you're thinking about touch, the level of touch that you want to offer really depends on how familiar you are with the person. So Mm -hmm. if it's somebody that you don't know very well, then I recommend doing more fleeting, quick touches in less intimate of places like arms, shoulders, upper back, something like that. And really seeing how they respond. Do they open up to you? Do they reciprocate? Do they smile? Do they feel relaxed in their body? Or do they get more tense and stop making eye contact and kind of lean away a little bit? So you're just doing a little bit of an attempt to see how it lands because both that's going to feel safer for them if they're not interested, Mm. Um, particularly if you're a guy and they're a woman, you don't want to escalate too quickly because that's going to make them feel unsafe. But also because it's not too risky for you as the toucher. If they're not interested, it's no big deal versus if you go in hard and they say, I'm not interested, it can feel like more of a rejection. Mm. And so I think offering these little fleeting touches, seeing how they land um, in relationships that are a little bit more established, you might offer more lingering touches, like having your arm resting on them or putting your arm around them or leaning your head on their shoulder or just moving closer. So your legs are kind of touching each other, leaning in towards them a little bit more. Um, All of those things are going to start to create a little bit of that kind of sexual chemistry and ability for you to see, are they into it? Which is always just so helpful because that's usually what people are waiting for is some kind of green light. Mm. You can get that verbally, but you can also get it non-verbally. Yeah. What about in situations where if someone is not non-verbal, you know, they talk about people who are like, they're great in person, but they're a horrible texter. Like, What about the people who are good at expressing themselves when they're in person with someone physically, but the verbal part of it when they're not with their partner or when they're not with the person that they like is lacking? That's me. (laughs) I'm not so great at virtual communication. I mean, I'm getting better. It's fine, but it's not my favorite forum at all. Mm. I just lose a lot of my ability to be funny and to Yeah, it's just, I think it's harder for a lot of people. I mean, there are some people whose texting game is impressive, but, you know, I think that it's okay to realize where your strengths are and play to your strengths. So Mm -hmm. maybe you send more voice memos or you do video chats more often than you're doing long texting and also realizing that you can practice, right? Mm -hmm. You can, I actually think that sexting is wonderful practice for dirty talking in person because you have less pressure of having to do it in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if you are wanting to flirt more in a text oriented fashion, it's a lot about 
naming desires, mm-hmm. what you think is hot. That's always a good conversation topic. It's asking them about what they think is hot or what turns them on. You know, I think that you can create anticipation in yeah. texting that you can't necessarily do in person. And so that's something fun that you can play with in that form. Yeah. I also feel like there are like low, not low bar, but like low things that you can say, like very subtle things that you can say to open up the conversation. Even if you tell somebody that you're flirting with or whatever, like I miss you or I'm I'm thinking about you, they might be like, oh, what are you thinking about? And then that can open up more. Or if somebody texts you that, like I'm thinking about you, like what are you thinking about? That's how you can start getting it going. That's right. I love From that. My and I also, I also <laughs> add in a lot of, tell me more. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love tell me more. Whenever they're like, oh, I, I miss you. Tell me more. I'm thinking about you. Tell me more. Speak more on that. Let's unpack that. What are you thinking about? You could be flirty. You could be fun. <laughs> it's also just good confidence boosting material. Yeah. And I think they like it too. Like the person, whoever you're flirting with, They like it, too, because it gives them like, oh, okay. there's interest there. There's like, you know, it's like it's a back and forth. That's right. It's a dance. Okay, someone said, is it a turnoff to guys if a woman shoots her shot first? I don't know, because I'm I'm a shot shooter. I I will do it. But (laughs) have you noticed any of your male clients that are like turned off by women being confident enough to go up to them first? Oh my goodness, they are so delighted. It is such a relief for them to not have to always be the one who initiates. Yeah. I mean, I think you can come on too strong and feel like really hungry and that energy can feel a little invasive. But for the most part, having somebody who has the confidence to do that is really welcomed. Yes. I think I've, I don't know if I've talked about it here before, but I've definitely talked about it before as far as like shoot your shot. Like, guys, I listen, I don't like to give men a lot of credit on a lot of things. But one thing that I will give them credit for is that it is fucking hard to approach a woman, to approach anyone. Like there are so many things going through their minds, I'm sure, when it comes to seeing a girl that they like at the other end of the bar. She's got three friends with her who are probably going to tell him to piss off when he comes over there to try to talk to their friend because they're gatekeeping and like fucking cock blocking. And like, he wants to come over to you and ask you if he can buy you a drink, but then he's got to buy all your friends drinks because you're probably going to be like, well, my friends are thirsty too. I know this because I say that. But, you know, (laughs) that's like, there's so many steps. And then by the time he might get to be able to talk to you, you could be like, I have a boyfriend. I'm not interested. Or like you could reject him. And so I think we have to also reciprocate that energy sometimes in just like it's okay to make the approach it's okay to give them a compliment it's okay to go up to them and tell them that you like that color on them they love that shit tell them something Mm -hmm. they've been fucking over there thinking about how to talk to you for the past three hours and it's intimidating it's intimidating so i feel like shoot your shot do the thing flirt go up to somebody say something say something nice i'm with you Oh, someone said, what are the do not say flirting advices that you would have? Advices? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Some things that you should not say when you're flirting. That's a good question. Well, I think that you don't, you can escalate too quickly verbally, just like you can escalate too quickly 
physically. Mm. And so that would be something that feels like too invasive or tuned. So I love it when my partner tells me that I have a great ass or that he loves my tits, but that's Mm -hmm. because I know that he loves all of me, not just my ass and tits. And so, (laughs) you know, when I'm flirting with somebody, like there's ways in which there's an escalation before I want to hear that from Mm. somebody. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's one of the big ones. And then I think the other thing is either making it like an interview, like you're just asking rapid fire questions Mm. or you're just nervous and you're talking and you're not really engaging them with curiosity. So either end of that spectrum. So it's not necessarily what you're saying, but how you're saying it Mm. that can be really off putting. Right. I don't want to feel like I'm being interviewed by you, but I also want to feel like you're curious and engaged with me. And so it's finding that that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to the do not things that I wouldn't want said to me or things that I wouldn't say to someone if I was flirting with them, I think physical compliments are good in like in the beginning of a first meet. If it's their eyes, their smile, their hair, maybe. And the the color of their dress or their shirt (laughs) or whatever. Like you could say, I like that shirt on you. But if a man comes up to me and is like, nice ass, I'm going to be like, fuck off. Like, no, I don't know you. But if my man comes up to me and says that, I'm going to be like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally different. It's totally different. So like, you're not going to go up to somebody and give like those kinds of compliments are not, they don't feel, they feel gross. And anything that makes people feel gross or would make you feel kind of weird if somebody came up to you and said, maybe don't say that. That's Golden great. rule. Do unto others as you would want done to you. Okay, someone said, how can I become better at initiating sex? Well, I think, again, that's different for women and men, really. Because mm. oftentimes it's a lot easier for women to initiate sex than it is for men. At least really? The clients that I have. Yeah, it's not your own personal experience. I let feel me, like it's the opposite. This. I think that it might be harder for women to initiate it because they don't know how, mm. but their success rate's a lot higher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think for a lot of women, it's really just about saying, you're looking really fine. I'd love to feel you next to me, or I want to feel you close to me. Or my favorite line is, I want to feel you inside me. I mean, that stuff is hot. Mm. It works. You could just be direct and name it. Yeah. And I think that for men, it's a lot more of like, I want to be close to you. I want to feel your body. It's not actually necessarily naming the sex. It's naming the desire for closeness and for intimacy Mm. and then seeing how that evolves. Yeah. And all of the compliments, as you mentioned, the affirmations and um, all of that's really useful, I think, in, in both directions, of course. And, you know, saying something like you're looking so fine and I just really feel so horny I want to jump your bones mm-hmm. will work for mm-hmm. a lot of women if they feel the courage to be able to say that right? yeah so I think that's just part of it if verbal doesn't work for you then you know couples are really good at developing nonverbal cues and so for a lot of times it might just be like coming over and start to nibble on their neck and kiss their ear and like that or maybe grinding on them a little bit pushing your your vulva into their leg or their thigh sitting on their lap straddling them i mean all of that are like 
very obvious nonverbal cues that you want to be intimate with somebody. Yeah. And I don't think that that all, that works in the opposite gender dynamic necessarily. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. Yeah, not so much. Because <laughs> when your man comes up to you, comes up behind you and you're washing the dishes and presses his dick in your back, you're like, the fuck? I'm fucking <laughs> washing the fucking baby bottles. What do you want? <laughs> it's completely different. <laughs> But they do that because they want you to do that to them. They would love that if when they're washing the dishes, you just push your body up against them. <laughs> it's <laughs> so different. It it's so different. <laughs> it's so sad. Poor things. This is why you have to go up to men. Just go up to them. I know they're trash. I know they're annoying. I know they're stupid. But just go up to them. Be a little nice. If you like them, you don't have to pretend when they come up to you at the bar that you don't like them. You know you've noticed him too. Be nice to him. And tell your friend who's telling him not to talk to you to shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? That's Yeah. <laughs> make it that's a little simple. easier on them. That's for sure. Yeah, make it a little easier on them. I'm not talking about the creeps that honk their horns at you. I'm not telling you to get in their fucking car, but like the ones that you want. When that's it's right. consensual, when you want them. And also, I just I just would love to add in there that if they're a nice guy, they're they're being respectful and you're not interested in them, then you could still let them down in a way that's not going to feel like a big door slamming in their face. Something like, I'm so flattered and I'm not available, mm-hmm. or I really appreciate the courage it takes to come up and approach and I'm just not available. Something that is coupled with that, like an acknowledgement of how hard it is to do that and that you're flattered that they did that, even though you're not interested, yeah, can really soften that blow in a compassionate way. And yeah. again, if they're being a jerk, don't bother. But there's so many cases where that's not what's happening. Yeah, you don't have to be like, ill. no. Like, ugh, I hate when women do that. It's just so mean. Like, it's just mean. And you wouldn't want that done to you. So like, be nice. Okay, someone asked... Bestie, what are some writing tips for a girl with no rhythm? I mean, writing is difficult no matter if you have the rhythm or you don't. It's not the easiest task and it's really not my favorite job. But, you know, somebody you got to clock in every once in a while. So what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, a few things. One, if music helps, for sure. Mm. If you have music playing and being thoughtful about the playlist so that you're picking a beat that works for you. If it's too fast or erratic, that's not going to help anybody. Yeah. And then making sure that it feels pleasurable for you. If you have a finger on your clit or a toy on your clit while you're writing somebody, you're naturally going to get more rhythmic because it's going to feel more pleasurable for you to be rubbing yourself in a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so forgetting about how it's supposed to look or if your ass is clapping in the way it's supposed to or whatever else it is and literally just be focusing on how good it feels and if you're focused on your pleasure your body is going to move in a more fluid natural less mechanical way and that's ultimately what you're going for anyways yeah yeah no the playlist is key i recommend Mm -hmm. high for this by the weekend if you know, because it's like a five minute long song and it's got good rhythm, good beat. So get into it. <laughs> try that. Oh, try, that. That this weekend. <laughs> try it and let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, let me get one more. Oh, here's one. How do you successfully do role play with your partner to keep the sex fun? Role play can be a little bit tricky because it's vulnerable. It can be vulnerable to 
act and pretend and put on a persona, especially with somebody that's very different from who you are naturally, because it can feel like a big stretch. Mm. I think that a really sweet scaffolding step before you do role playing is to do some dirty talk, like start to talk about the fantasy before you're actually enacting it. Or finding some erotica that's on that topic. So if you're really into, like, prison guard, prisoner. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is. Maybe it's like, okay, maybe it's like virgin. So then Mm. uh, watch some porn or read some erotica where somebody's having sex with a virgin. So that you're getting some creative material and you're thinking about what's hot for you and what works for you and what you like so that you're not having to do it out of the blue. Yeah. You know, all actors research their roles Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the more, the more that you have a sense of what you think is hot about it, what your partner thinks is hot about it, the more confident you're going to feel doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. So if you want to be a little nurse, you know, go get you a, um, some gloves or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever nurses yeah. have. Go get some go get a thermometer, you know? Test and it out. It's some lube. <laughs> Definitely some lube. Oh my God. <laughs> Dr. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell everyone where to find you and what you have coming out soon. Thanks so much. This is just such a joy. You're a riot. <laughs> I really I you have to come back. You have to come back. There's so many that. other ones that we didn't get to, so I feel like we have to have you on again. You got it. Well, my website is turnon.love and I'm really excited because in January I have my eight week master course, sexual and emotional intimacy skills coming out, which is just a wonderful survey course to help folks be able to cultivate emotional and sexual intimacy in their relationships, whether that you're single or you're partnered, it's going to make you feel more confident because it gives you that rare and precious opportunity to learn and practice the skills of intimacy that's so hard to find. So whether it's about talking about consent and boundaries or how to take good care of your nervous system and be more embodied, skills for creating more emotional depth, like how do we actually do empathy, not just talk about like this weird thing that nobody actually is very good at practicing. And Mm -hmm. we'll do a lot more on flirting and seduction and skills for increasing your capacity for pleasure and exploring fantasies and erotica and unpacking shame, as well as some really important things around how to heal ruptures and conflicts in relationships, as well as how do you pick your partners and how do you end relationships when they're not working for you and navigate the grief of all of that? Because I think a big part of intimacy is learning how to have good standards and what you want in relationship and what's going to help you feel fulfilled and not getting stuck and staying in something because you're too afraid of finding something that's ultimately more nourishing and what's Mm. the balance between all of that. So we're going to conclude with talking about that because I think it's a a really useful topic. 1000%. See y'all don't say I didn't put you on anything. Okay. You need to go sign up for this damn course because obviously it's got the tea that you're asking for. Are you on social media also? I am. You can find me at turnon.love on Instagram and all, all the places. There we go. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I learned some things too. And I learned that I actually knew some things. That's right. Yeah, you sure did. I need <laughs> to go send that text. <laughs> such a good conversation. I'm walking away with some fun things to try this weekend. Yes. Hi for this, the weekend. I'm just saying. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See you next time. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can catch a new episode of Relationship every single Friday. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the action. And I want to hear from you. So please, if you love the show, leave us a review. But by review, you know I only need five stars only. And let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on socials at Relationship on Instagram and at Relationship Pod on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bestie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.